Nightlife with Philip Clark on ABC Radio. Talking food now, and if you're a lover of TV food shows, well, you'd be very aware of Justine Schofield. Justine's a cook, an author and a TV presenter who first came to prominence on the very first series of MasterChef Australia way back in 2009. Remember then? She didn't win, but her skills were noticed and she was subsequently offered her own program, Everyday Gourmet, with Justine Schofield on the 10 Network. And I think she's down more than 700 episodes of that. She's also heading up a new series set in South Australia's wine and food mecca, the Barossa, called Barossa Gourmet. Justine Schofield. More importantly for us, she joins us this evening. Justine, good evening. Welcome to Nightlife. Good evening. Thanks for having me. Yes. What did you? What What possessed you to go into the heat of that MasterChef kitchen back in two thousand and nine? Oh. I suppose it's opened oh, a few doors for you, hasn't it? Oh, it has indeed. I was young and mad, and I think it's all. It's definitely paid off. Um, I think I was at a crossroad in my career. I was selling security cameras and absolutely hated it. <laughs> And um, I had great visions of heading over to France and and studying the art of cooking, really. And uh, I think just before I got on a plane, a friend of mine said, why don't you try out for this cooking show that's coming to Australia? So try out for that first. And if you don't get that, then definitely go overseas. So you fancied yourself um, as a bit of a, as a reasonable home cook, did you? Well, I think, you know, growing up with a French mother, you know, food's so important. Everything revolved around food and wine and sitting around the table and enjoying ourselves. And I think when I cooked for my friends, they were like, couldn't believe how amazing the food was. I'm like, that's just what I grew up on. Yeah. Um, so I guess from then I just thought, yeah, okay, I, I probably do know how to cook and people enjoy my food, so let's make a career out of it. So mm-hmm. it's the only thing I really like doing, really. Now um, you're, in the, you're in the you're in the well good good for us you're in the <laughs> you're in the Barossa of course one of the great food and wine places of Australia the wines that the Barossa make in South Australia are legendary around the world if you haven't tried Barossa wine you haven't tried Australian wine I wouldn't have thought Absolutely. you um, but while you were there you, you met up with Maggie Beer the very famous oh. Barossa entity of course and uh, Maggie's Maggie's farm Maggie's done so much for food and wine well food in particular hasn't she she really has i mean she's just you know one of the elder stateswomen if you think about it she yeah. has sort of uh, forged this way from the beginning you know just a simple thing as uh farming pheasants and then going into quince and vino cotto which is what i get to cook with uh cotta i should say and she's just sort of gone from leaps and i mean everyone knows her worldwide um and she has brought the barossa valley uh out there people know the barossa valley okay okay of course from the full-bodied shiraz that we know and it's one of the largest wine regions in australia but also because of Maggie. I mean, for me, I just sort of go weak at the knees when I see Maggie and and, and get to stand next to her and cook with her mm. is just such a thrill. Um, and I think she's just a, a wonderful person to really showcase South Australia, the Barossa Valley and Australia itself. Indeed. Yeah, indeed. Now, in this your first episode, you, f- you focus on something that Australians love, which is a barbecued steak. Well, Ooh, yes, yes, but the thing is, it's more complicated than this, isn't it? I mean, I've eaten so many bad barbecued steaks. Maybe everyone has. <laughs> uh, you're cooking a a big showy steak, a bistecca fiorentina, which is essentially mm-hmm. a big, thick cut T-bone. Now, That's the one. T-bones can, I mean, you, you, they can be all sorts of sizes depending how you 
butcher cuts them, can't they? They, mm-hmm. they don't come from a different animal, <laughs> the bistecca, for, it's just a different cut, isn't it? So exactly. If you want yeah. one of these big whoppers, I mean, this one I think is a kilogram, this steak, uh, mm-hmm. five centimetres thick. You're, you're saying That's it serves, right. You're saying it serves four. Well, you can maybe be a judge of that, I suppose. <laughs> uh, I've, seen, I've seen someone get through one of them. Oh, um, but, yeah, yeah for, it to be, uh, for it to be called a bistecca, Fiorentina, it actually has to be that one kilo yeah. and it has to be about five centimetres thick um, for it to be called that. So this, is, sure. this is where it gets tricky, isn't it? Because a, a piece of meat that thick... Uh, you have to think about how you're going to cook it, don't you? Tell me, tell me, tell me, take me through it. That's right, and and it can be um, it can be tricky, especially yeah. for the first time. You really got to you know, work at it, and know you probably stuff it up the first time, so don't get the most expensive one, mm. um, and then work on it. I think the the three things that people need to know when they're cooking any large piece of meat that's going to be grilled on a barbecue, for example, yeah, and yeah. we're in grilling mode at the moment, is bringing the meat out of the fridge so it gets to room temperature. Mm-hmm. That is crucial, particularly with the bone because it's so cold closest to the bone, so it needs time for that heat to really get in there. Seasoning, um, I don't salt, I don't season with pepper at all because uh, I think it burns, so I just season with salt, so a good amount of salt. You've got to salt nice meat. You really have to salt meat, don't you, before oh, you, you do. Um, it's just like a tomato. If you don't salt the tomato, it tastes okay. Salt the tomato, oh, it's mm. a wonderful flavour. It's almost like you've got to perfume the meat, right? So mm. seasoning it with salt and then going from there. So what sort of salt? Does, gonna... it, does, it, does it matter? Maybe not really. Oh, look, no, you wouldn't go rock salt. I say that, but a lot of places I've been to in Spain and in Italy, they do rock salt yeah. um, just to start it off. But, yeah, I just use a flake salt. Mm-hmm. And if you're, if you're going to put it on a grill, I would say lightly oil it first, so mm-hmm. not the actual grill, the meat. You can be quite generous with the with salt, salt, can't you? You can be, I mean, don't you can. do sparse here. No, no. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. You are not only seasoning the meat, but you're also wanting that salt to act as um, – uh, it's going to develop a crust on your steak. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, back in the old days, they would say only turn your steak once and once or twice or so leave it on one side well, and then it, turn it. This is the thing here. So, so we, we, we've hired the bar- Now, are we firing the barbecue up to be really hot? Or what, what, what's your Depends approach Depends on, you can cook on hot or medium. It's yeah. about you as the cook controlling the flames, if you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're going to cook on a really hot barbecue, you need to control yourself as a cook. So let's just say we you're cooking a beautiful uh, bistecca fiorentine, which I cooked um, yeah. at the Barossa Valley Wine Company, and uh, you want to make sure that if you're going to do it hot, you sear it off for a few minutes on each side, not even a minute, and so then you would see it both off. sides first. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Form that crust, mm-hmm. and then take it away from that direct heat, taking it to the sides, and then just cooking it at a lower temperature uh, for safety, and also just allowing that heat to penetrate all the way through to that bone because it is that T bone. It's going to take much longer for that heat to get through. So, how do you? <laughs> Well, here's the thing. How do you know when it's cooked in the middle? <laughs> if it was a roast, of course, you could you could use a meat thermometer, couldn't you? Well, you could absolutely use. Could you a use a meat thermometer meat here? Thermo- 
Yeah, I did it the other night. I've got um, a beautiful barbecue that we've got. We put some coals on and just let it sort of heat up for a while and cooked just two classic, uh, we did two sirloins. Mm. And I did put the meat thermometer and depends on what you like. For me, I take it up to between that 52 degree mark. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it rests at 50 because it will continue going up the temperature and take it to 55 for medium rare. Um, So that's would be what I would do is use a meat thermometer but you could also just use the old school way just use your fingers and have a feel of it mm-hmm. and you know do the test where you put your finger fingers together and on the palm of your hand you could feel how soft it is so what should it feel like what should it feel like because i mean yeah there is a bit of trial and error here not trial and error but a bit of experience here isn't it as you say you probably will muck the first one up but yeah how i know it's very easy to it. it's very easy to overcook it but it's also it's no good if it's undercooked either is it that's right, but I would prefer to undercook it yeah. and then put it back on, um, then overcook it. And with a barbecue, talking about those extreme heats, um, you do need to control it. So knowing that, you know, sometimes if a recipe says for a meat to be cooked on a pan for two minutes on each side, if it's 400 grams, for example, mm. you know that's going to take a little bit less on a barbecue because it is going to be naturally Would you put the lid down? Would you put the lid down on the barbecue or not? Well, it really depends what type of barbecue you're cooking on. So if you're cooking on a um, a Weber, you definitely put the, the lid down because it does – That's it's designed to do that. Yeah. Um, whereas if you're using, you know, an open Japanese-style, uh, yakitori-style barbecue, then there's no lid for that. You're just cooking and flipping constantly. Mm. You also cook the steak. It's five centimetres thick. It's got a nice mm-hmm. big um, – Big, uh, you know, rind of of yellowed fat, which is delicious. Of course, it mm. melts and melts into the meat. You, how do you cook that? Do you do you do you stand the steak upright, as it were, and try and yeah, cook that first? great. It's a great question because we do want to get that heat to the bone as fast as we can. I do start it on its side, so cook it on mm. both sides, and then lift it up because it is five. So the tea. T bone, you know, basically opposite T, yeah. and then cook that for a long time on that side, on that bone side, just so that heat can get through. Um, so really giving it that time to cook on on all sides, but most importantly on the bone side. Mm. I mean, I was cooking in the vineyard, so I mean it was just extra special um, at the Barossa Valley Wine Company, and you know, sitting there, and it was extremely hot, and cooking a Fiorentina. I don't know if it was the best thing for me to cook. Because <laughs> it was so hot, but it was a pleasure doing it at the same time. How, you know, how, yeah. how important do you think it is then to rest the steak once it's cooked? So important. And that was the other big thing. I, I digressed, but mm. <laughs> you'd certainly need to rest. And if I say bring the meat out, season it and resting and they the three of those are the most important things you can take away from this resting your meat how long should you rest it for so let's say you've been cooking your piece of a one kilogram steak for you know up to eight to ten minutes all up mm-hmm. you want to rest it for half the time so you want to give it that five minutes at least to rest before you even bring a knife near it would you cover it and with foil to rest it Oh, you know what? I don't. I don't unless I I just let it sit there. The residual heat will keep it nice and warm. Meat shouldn't be piping hot. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you cut into that straight away, what will happen is the juices go everywhere. And that means you're going to be left with a dry piece of meat. So if you let it rest, naturally the 
the muscle is going to relax and the juice is going to stay in the meat. If you have a board full of liquids, you know you haven't rested it long enough. Yeah. And that's every type of meat from chicken to pork. No, it's, everything, it's really fish. important, isn't it, when you're pl- planning your meal to think about not just the cooking time, but think about, yeah, no, but I need, you know, I'm going to need 10 or 15 minutes maybe resting time at the end. Absolutely, to, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Okay. So and that's just a one piece of steak. So if you're going for the big roast, if you're cooking a roast for one hour, you want to rest it for 20 minutes at least, mm. at least 20 minutes, 20 you to 30. You don't want to be cutting into the steak to see if it's cooked, do you? No, and my partner loves to do that little mm. trick, particularly on the barbecue as it's grilling. It's and... no good. It's no good, is it? No, oh, it? no good. Stay away from that. Don't do it. Don't do yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you have to learn to judge it, what, just by the way the steak feels? So, so how describe to us how should it feel when it's cooked medium rare? So, so when you're feeling a steak, you feel the steak when it's raw, mm. think about the softness of that. If you take it up a notch maybe so it firms up, a few notches above that is where you're up after is what you're after for medium rare. Yeah. Again, if someone likes a well done steak, so be it. You're in the safe zone. You just cook the hell out of it, and it's fine. Yeah, right. But if you're wanting it with majority of us, if we're going to spend money, meat's expensive. Spend money to cook it well. You do want to make sure that you do know what you're looking for. So think about how soft it is before. You want it to go up one to two levels, but still soft. Where you just got a little give when you touch it. It just bounces back just slightly. It's not rubbery. That's what we're not after. Okay, so we're serving it with some parsley and garlic chopped up are we mm, yeah when you, when you spend a lot like i said a lot of money on a good piece of steak don't ever do it with the sauces uh keep it simple nice fresh yeah. herbs particularly when you're grilling meat in summer it's very different to to winter in winter i definitely serve my steak with a bernet sauce or mm. a pepper sauce um but in summer just fresh herbs lots of beautiful garlic we, when we were in the barossa valley we were able to find gorgeous fresh garlic that was grown locally or just i had to use it mm. um and when it's like that when you know where it comes from the garlic just tastes totally different to the stuff that you get everywhere yeah um and just finally chopping that and salt so it's not as intense is just a beautiful match with the steak and now the because it's a big steak we're going to you're going to cut it up to serve yeah. it aren't you Tell me about that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, the, a Fiorentina is fantastic because it just shows you the lines of cutting the two pieces of meat off. So mm. cutting that off and then slicing it, I think the presentation is key to it too. It is such a masterpiece um, when you take it to the table. Uh, so just slicing it into, oh, I'd say about one centimetre chunks yep. and letting everyone have um, a little taste is is just a fantastic shared dish for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, you don't cook it. I don't cook it any night a week. If I've got a few friends coming over, um, and you want to present the bone because everyone fights over the bone at the end, right? Because sure. that's the tastiest part. So slicing that up and sort of presenting the meat around the T-bone is extremely festive. And do you serve it on the well? The fashion these days is to serve it on a board, isn't it? Do you do that? <laughs> Yeah, you could serve it on a board or on a plate, whatever you like. I mean, I yeah. don't care what you serve it on as long as you cook it cook it correctly. <laughs> and a big Barossa red, of course, goes without saying, uh, what are we What are we going to drink here, a, a Shiraz? Shiraz, or, yeah. yeah. We'll just go the classic way, a little mm. Shiraz. I say a little Shiraz, I should say a big and bold Shiraz. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, we were, we were there showcasing a lot of Shiraz and a lot of other wines, but Shiraz, it's Shiraz country. So let's celebrate it with a big fat 
steak. There we go. Bistecca Fiorentina, classic Italian mm-hmm. way of, um, but uh, yeah, look, grilling meat, that's right, it's not quite as simple as it always seems, especially when it gets big like that. Justine Schofield, it's been terrific to talk with you and well done on the new show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife.